In September 2019, 14-year-old Alicia Navarro left a note for her family, saying she was running away but would be back later. Seven months have gone by and Alicia remains missing. Though she left her house freely, the strongest theory in this case is that Alicia was lured by someone she met online. I'm Charlie and welcome to Crimelines. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Crimelines this week. Today's episode is a missing child who needs our help to find her and bring her home. I want to thank Kristen Dennis for putting me in touch with Jessica Nunez, Alicia's mother. Kristen is the sister of Brandy Myers, who went missing in 1992. And Kristen has become such a huge advocate for missing kids and helping their families find resources. So she reached out to me about getting Alicia's case featured on a podcast. I really appreciate Kristen reaching out to me. And of course, I want to thank Jessica for taking the time to speak with me last week. I tend to release longer episodes than this will be, and I don't do current cases unless there's a lot of information out there. But this story really hit me right in the heart. And there is just an immediate need here for people around the U.S. to hear Alicia's story because someone knows something. If anyone out there has a case like this that they would like to be featured, but they think I only do hour-long episodes, please reach out anyway like Kristen did. I'm never opposed to putting out more content. Today we're talking about Alicia Navarro of Glendale, Arizona. She turned 15 just days after she went missing. Alicia is the second of four children with an older sister who is grown. She's about nine years older than Alicia. And then she has two younger siblings who are seven and 10 years younger than her. So even though Alicia is one of four kids, These age gaps almost made her like an only child through a lot of her ages and stages. This made her incredibly close to her mother, but she's also really close to all of her siblings. When there's those age gaps, that bickering, that fighting doesn't happen quite as much. And Alicia really looked up to her older sister, who was grown and out of the house at this point. Alicia described herself for a school project as introverted, quiet, and timid. She was diagnosed with autism as a child and is considered on the high-functioning end of the spectrum, but a lot of people don't like this label of high-functioning. It's not diagnostic to begin with, and it feels dismissive of the struggles kids and adults have that are severe. When people hear high-functioning, They seem to equate that with quirky, when being quirky is not the same as autism. Alicia is considered high-functioning because she is very verbal and she can learn in a traditional classroom setting. On the other hand, her sensory issues are severe. She has an incredibly limited diet of foods she can handle, both in texture and taste. Alicia's wardrobe is limited as well, with only certain clothes feeling good to her. One of these things is oversized sweatshirts. She always wants to wear a sweatshirt. 
that's what feels good to her. And generally speaking, this would be a fairly adaptable sensory behavior. But she is from Glendale, Arizona. It's sweatshirt weather for, what, 10 minutes of the year? Seriously, though, in the deep winter months, I can see a sweatshirt. Otherwise, it's 80, 90, 100 degrees. But Alicia would rather overheat than wear something else. If you don't know someone well with high-functioning autism, you may not fully appreciate how severe some of these aspects can be. But that is 100% what was going on here. Alicia also experiences severe anxiety, especially social anxiety. Again, this is not uncommon for people on the so-called high-functioning end of the spectrum. This anxiety is usually caused by a combination of factors, including a lack of clarity on what to do when they're in a new situation. Because of this anxiety, Alicia did not like to leave the house. And when we're talking about a teenager who ran away, this is an incredibly important and telling piece of the story. While kids with high-functioning autism can slip through the cracks in regards to services, Alicia's mother, Jessica, worked very hard to keep that from happening here. She saw these obstacles, and she realized she was going to have to quit her job to help Alicia. She had her younger children, too, of course, so here she is working full-time, parenting three minor children, and then dealing with all the therapy appointments and meeting Alicia's needs, which is a full-time job in itself. It just wasn't working out, so she decided to throw herself into being a stay-at-home mom and getting Alicia the help and support she needed. At one point, Jessica was facilitating virtual school for Alicia since going to school became a huge source of daily anxiety. But in the fall of 2019, Alicia was enrolled as a freshman in a private Catholic high school. And while that change did bring up anxiety, they were dealing with it. When you see Alicia's photo, you're going to be surprised to hear she was in the ninth grade. She looks so young. I asked Jessica if it was just the picture or if she looked young in person. And Jessica said, Alicia absolutely looks much younger in person. When they would go out to eat, Alicia would be handed the children's menu without the server even asking because she looked so young. This is really important when you're keeping your eyes out for Alicia. You're not looking for someone who looks 14 or 15. I mean, you're really looking for someone who looks like 10 or 11. One of the things Alicia is passionate about is technology and computers. She is definitely a gamer girl, and she played games and chatted with people online. Because of this interest, and this is how she's choosing to spend a lot of her time, Jessica and Alicia's therapist talked to her about being a digital citizen, and they warned her about how people can pretend to be anyone they want online, and you can't take anyone at face value this way. Alicia seemed to take this information on board, in part because she isn't a terribly trusting person anyway. She approaches people with apprehension. So while Jessica was concerned about online predators, it was more in the abstract way most of us tend to think about them. 
they're out there. We need to be aware of them. We're going to give our kids information about them. But then, on the other hand, Alicia doesn't trust anyone, so why would you worry that much about her trusting the wrong person online? I know when I think about my kids online, yeah, I worry about predators, I think about it, but my immediate concerns seem to be about other things, like the amount of time they're spending online. Is their homework done first? Are their brains rotting out of their heads due to excessive screen usage? But the idea of an online predator became very real for Jessica on September 15th, 2019, five days before Alicia's 15th birthday. Of course, the school year had recently started. That did come with that anxiety. But other than that, Alicia seemed fine. She's fairly laid back within the house, which is where she is comfortable. So it's not like Alicia was butting heads with anyone in the house or acting withdrawn. She wasn't rebelling or pushing back against the house rules. Nothing, absolutely nothing in this snapshot stands out to Jessica as being wrong or an indication of what was to come. It was early, early in the morning of September 15th when Alicia came out of her room for a glass of water. It was around 1 a.m., and without school the next day, it wasn't uncommon for Alicia to be up this late, playing video games online, and chatting with her friends. Jessica was also up waiting on her husband to come home from work. Alicia then headed back to her room. The next morning, Jessica got up and started making breakfast. She didn't expect Alicia to wake up early. Staying up late and sleeping in is the way of the teenager. But while she was prepping breakfast, Jessica noticed the back door was open. This was around 7 a.m. She walked over to the open door and looked around the yard. There were chairs near the wall that lined their property. That's obviously not where they keep them, and it's pretty clear they were there for someone to climb over the wall. So Jessica went straight to Alicia's room, and Alicia was gone. Looking around her room, Jessica found a note that said, I ran away. I will be back. I swear. I'm sorry. Jessica said that the handwriting is Alicia's, but it looked like Alicia had written it in a hurry. A few personal items were also missing, but not a lot. She took a small backpack, but her clothes were left behind, as were things like deodorant. It's not like she packed up as though she would be gone long. Also missing were Alicia's laptop and phone, but she didn't take the chargers for either. Either she didn't plan to be gone long enough to need to charge those items, or she left in a hurry and just forgot to pack them. I have had to buy many chargers on the road because I forgot them, so I mean this could go either way. There was only a five to six hour window where everyone in the house was asleep, and it's believed Alicia left during this time, likely around 3 or 3.30 in the morning. Jessica called the police immediately to report Alicia missing, and a silver alert was issued. Amber alerts are not issued in cases where it is believed a child ran away, so obviously that won't apply here. Because whether Alicia left alone or whether she was lured by someone, 
It is believed she left under her own power and willingly. A silver alert was originally put into place for those age 65 and older who went missing. Due to the increased chance of a medical issue being the cause someone that age would be missing, it's helpful to have a statewide alert system for that. In 2018, the silver alert in Arizona was expanded to include people of any age with specific cognitive or developmental disabilities, autism being one of them, so Alicia did qualify for this statewide alert, which is still active. Two weeks after she went missing, Alicia was featured on Live PD, which got her face out there nationwide. Tips came in early on, including a woman who believes she saw Alicia walking in Glendale, just about three miles from her home, and she was walking hand-in-hand with a man. It seems odd that Alicia would be so close to home and walking out in public holding hands with someone like that. This lead was followed up on, but nothing came of it. There were other tips, more like, I heard that someone said that they saw her get on a bus. Those types of rumors. Alicia did not have experience riding public transportation, and it seems unlikely she would start now, given her limited social skills. She couldn't go to the counter to order a soda, so how was she going to ask a bus driver about fares and bus routes? It just doesn't make sense. The Glendale police followed up on all the leads, but no confirmed trace of Alicia has been found in any of the places people believe they saw her. The police also canvassed all area sex offenders and came up with nothing. Jessica organized community searches, they were putting up flyers, they were handing out flyers all over Glendale and into the neighboring Phoenix. You might be thinking, Alicia had a phone and a laptop with her. Her laptop was a MacBook, so just hop onto the iCloud account and start pinging those devices, right? Well, Alicia's phone was powered off when they tried reaching her through it, and someone knew enough about these things to make sure the location services were turned off on the devices. The police have not gotten too specific about it, except to say that Alicia was technologically savvy enough to have done this on her own, but they don't rule out the possibility someone else was with her who also knew how to turn these location services off, and they did it. So here's the thing that really stuck out to me about this case when I talked to Jessica. Alicia is not the kid you would expect to do something like this. And I don't say that because she's sweet and happy at home and all that stuff, because that is all true. But we know good kids make bizarre decisions due to that frontal lobe development not quite being there. Parents of teens kind of have that what-were-you-thinking face permanently plastered on. But with Alicia, there is more to this. It is medically documented that Alicia had severe anxiety that kept her from leaving the house. Among Alicia's behavioral goals related to her anxiety, multiple ones were about leaving the house. One goal was to go out to eat with her family once a month. 
actually go to the restaurant to sit and eat. Another was to go a few times a month on an errand with her mom. Just sitting in the car while Jessica swung through a McDonald's drive through level of engagement. This should give you an idea of where she was with her anxiety when she ran away. Alicia is more dependent on others in public than the usual almost 15-year-old, so they hadn't even moved up to leaving the house on her own yet, just leaving the house with trusted adults. This is where she was developmentally when she left her house on September 15th. And this isn't the only thing she struggled with. Alicia also doesn't handle change well. She likes routines and she likes predictability. So how did she manage to overcome all of that to run away? While it may seem like an oversimplification, we can often look at people who run away as those who run from something and those who run toward something. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. Home was Alicia's safe place. So I don't think it's a reach to assume she was running to something, something worth leaving her safe space for. The authorities found out that Alicia had planned to leave at least a little bit ahead of time because she asked another friend to go with her. The friend did not think Alicia was serious and just shrugged it off. Jessica believes Alicia's friends have told the police everything they know, and none of them are currently covering for her. Sure, maybe the first week or two, but these are close friends. Alicia had them since she was four years old. And Jessica is sure that as time passed with no word from Alicia, their own worry for her would overcome any hesitation they may have had in the beginning, and they would have fessed up to what they knew. The real concern here, and what Jessica believes happened, is that Alicia was running away with someone she met online. It doesn't seem like it would have been a romantic thing since she asked a friend to go with her. To Alicia, it may have just seemed like a cool adventure for a few nights, something she didn't think Jessica would let her do, and she fully intended, like she said in the note, to come back. Alicia took her laptop and her phone, but authorities have been able to get information from some of her online accounts with the help of the FBI. They're keeping it quiet exactly what they found, but I'm hopeful it means they found names, chat logs, and maybe even IP addresses so they can track down who Alicia was getting close to online. Because this wouldn't be someone she hardly knew, in my view. This would have been someone who built her trust. So here's something that you may not know if you've not been down a road like this with your kids. One of the first things you learn when you have a child getting therapy for developmental or learning issues is that conflict is the catalyst for change. Your child will work hardest to overcome the hurdle when they hit a conflict, when they want something badly enough to push through it. Jessica saw this with Alicia. Like I said, Alicia had very specific foods she liked to eat, and one of those was chicken nuggets. So they worked this into Alicia's goal to leave the house more. If she wanted the chicken nuggets, she had to go with her mom through the drive through to get them. For a really simple way to put it, it's the carrot on the stick. So what was worth leaving the house for here? It would have been something external because Alicia's default was to stay home unless someone or something pushed her outside that comfort zone. 
So I am with Jessica here. I do think it's someone Alicia met online who lured her away with the promise of something. Jessica believes it was likely the idea of some kind of adventure. In December 2019, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children partnered with Ring Security to get pictures of missing children out there. You don't have to have the Ring doorbell or security system to use their Neighbors app. So this program that they launched shows the information of missing kids in the areas where they possibly could be within the app. So instead of seeing an ad, you see a missing child poster. Alicia was the first child to be featured through this partnership. This plus flyers papering the area has really made it so that most people in Glendale know to be looking for Alicia. But Jessica worries that Alicia has already been taken out of state. That wouldn't be surprising, particularly if she met someone online. How often do we see in the news that some guy was arrested when he drove hundreds of miles to meet with a teenager who turned out to be an undercover cop? In October 2019, a man named Tommy Lee Jenkins was arrested after he walked for four days from Indiana to Wisconsin for a meetup like this. It was something like 350 miles, which is 563 kilometers on foot. So the idea that someone came from out of state is not unreasonable. I do want to be clear that there is no indication Alicia left the area, but there's also not a lot of proof that she didn't. Police have said that even though Alicia ran away, apparently of her own free will, she is at serious risk of exploitation, and that is why this case is getting this media coverage. It's featured on Live PD. It was in the Ring Neighbors app. Because of Alicia's age and how very small she is, as well as shutting down when she's overwhelmed with anxiety, someone could easily control her. When we think of a case like Elizabeth Smart or J.C. Dugard, who struggled to tell people they were kidnapping victims and were being held against their will, think about how that would be for Alicia to tell someone. She already struggles with communicating in social situations. In addition to finding Alicia, which is obviously Jessica's number one goal, she also wants this to serve as a reminder to parents that yes, this can happen to your child. They build online relationships with people, and we try to warn them about the predator lurking in the shadows ready to pounce, but that's not where he is. He's the one who's texting what's up and chit-chatting for days, weeks, and months until he's no longer a stranger. This is someone your child has grown to trust. So when you start talking about being safe online, they think they're safe. The person you are trying to warn them about is the same person they will go play Minecraft with as soon as you're done talking. There is no easy answer. The digital world is the one our kids are living in. We can't remove them from that. And for people who struggle with social interactions, either because of autism like Alicia or just because they're isolated at home for other reasons, socializing online is a lifeline that improves happiness and mental health. 
removing that entirely is not and cannot be the answer. Is the answer monitoring every single thing they do? Is it taking their computer away at night, turning off your Wi-Fi? I don't have an answer for you. I have heard good things about the book Raising Humans in a Digital World. I haven't read it, but I will tell you that after talking to Jessica, I bought it on my Kindle. There was a recent vigil for Alicia canceled due to COVID-19, which is understandable, but also very difficult for the family. We know vigils are a time that they can get exposure on the case and get Alicia's story and picture out in the media again. Hopefully, this episode can stand in place of that vigil and help amplify things. I will have Alicia's photograph on my social media, and I would encourage everyone to share it. This is a case where Alicia may be out of state and held against her will, and getting her picture across the country may get it to the person who knows what's happening and can call in the tip we need. And Jessica has a message for Alicia if she is staying away because she wants to. That message is, it's okay. Whatever is going on, they'll work it out. If she found another path in life and it's the one she wants to be on, that's fine. Jessica just needs Alicia to call home or to call the police, call the local police where she is, to let them know she is safe so that they can stop worrying quite so much and move on. There is a path forward from here. They just need to know she's safe. Alicia Navarro is 15 years old, though she appears a few years younger. She is 4 foot 5 and 95 pounds. Alicia is Hispanic with brown hair and brown eyes, and she wears braces. She was last seen wearing a light-colored sweatshirt with writing on it, and a whitewash denim overall skirt with black and white sneakers. She may seem timid or withdrawn in crowds or social situations. If you see her, try to take a photograph for confirmation and call 911. But if you have any general information or tips about this case, you can call the Glendale Police Department at 1-623-930-3000 or the National Center at 1-800-THE-LOST. These numbers will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Crimelines. You can follow me on Facebook by searching Crimelines Podcast, Twitter at Crimelines Pod, and Instagram at Crimelines True Crime. Feel free to follow my personal Instagram at CharlieNKC. You can also find the show on Patreon and Himalaya Plus, where I post early and ad-free episodes, as well as a monthly bonus episode. Crime Lines is produced by Basement Fort Productions, LLC. Visit our website, basementfort.com, for more information, including the sources for each episode. And while you're at it, go listen to Rusty Hinges, a comedic, mystery, true crime, and history show hosted by the one and only Lars and written by me, Charlie. Charlie. 